Hello and welcome on board to the H episode of the Christmas Alphabet Podcast, where we explore Christmas in alphabetical order. I'm Wayne, and here we do Christmas every two weeks all year round, with bits and pieces of Christmas traditions and history and music, all starting with one letter of the alphabet from A to Z. We come from a British perspective, but we have a worldwide vision. So let's get going. Coming up today, we have the letter H for Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, The Holly and the Holly and the Ivy, King Herod Boo Hiss, Hogmanay and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So here we go with the letter H on the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know I always end with a song, not me singing, but talking about a song. But today I'm going to start and end with a song. Our final song will be a Christmas carol classic. But today I'm starting as well with a song with a seasonal classic. H is for Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Have yourself a your heart be light next year all our troubles will be out of sight have yourself a merry little christmas is one of my favorite christmas songs i think because it brings together the joy of christmas with that yearning and longing for better days that is also part of the Christmas season. The song started life in the musical Meet Me in St. Louis, which came out in wartime in 1944. Is Meet Me in St. Louis a Christmas film? Well, yeah, sort of. It was released for Christmas, but it takes place over a number of seasons, starting in the summer and ending in the spring. And when you know that the film's script was based on a series of short stories... It makes more sense. The song Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is sung by Esther, Judy Garland's character, to her five-year-old sister, Tootie, played by Margaret O'Brien. The song is meant to cheer up the little girl who's having to move home and can't take her toys with her. Now, what the words of the song can mean to a five-year-old wanting her toys is really beyond me. But of course the song isn't about that. It's really aimed at an audience in 1944 who are facing Christmas at wartime, some of them without the men who have left for foreign fields. That's really what the song is about. It was written by two MGM songwriters called Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine, though later Hugh Martin claimed it was all his work. One fascinating fact about the song is that there are at least three different versions of the words. For a start, the words seem, well, old-fashioned for the 1940s. And I think that may be because the film is set in 1903 and Hugh Martin tries to capture the language of the time and does so to some extent. Now, when it was originally written, the first verse was meant to go like this. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. Next year, we may all be living in the past. 
But Judy Garland and the director and her future husband, Vincente Milelli, decided that it was all too depressing for an audience in wartime. So they pressed for a change in the lyrics. And Hugh Martin came up with, Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. And that's what went into the film. One line that survived the wartime changes was in the fourth verse. Sometime soon we all will be together if the fates allow. Until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. Although actually one part of that had been changed by Hollywood. It seems that Martin had originally written If the Lord Allows, not If the Fates Allow, but the studios insisted that that was too religious, and so it got changed to Fates instead. But those muddle-through words stayed in. But when Frank Sinatra came to record the song in 1957, he didn't like the idea of togetherness someday soon, and until then having to muddle through somehow, his recording was for an album called A Jolly Christmas, and those words just weren't jolly enough. So he called on Hugh Martin for another revision, and it got changed to Through the years we'll always be together, and then that incongruous and ugly line Hang a shining star upon the highest bough. Which really doesn't make sense in that context. Hang a shining star upon the highest bough. But ever since Frank, that line seems to have stuck, and it's in pretty much all the more recent versions. But for me, you know, that line really loses the essence of the song, which is about the poignancy of Christmas when we can't be with the ones that we want to be with and we're missing them and we're saying, one day soon we will be together. Christmas isn't always happy and jolly and merry. Anyway, in its various versions, the song has been recorded by many, many singers including Doris Day and Ellie Fitzgerald and Luther Vandross. There's a, a really nice virtual duet version between Judy Garland's original, mixed with her daughter Lorna Luft. In more recent years, it's been covered by Sam Smith and Josh Groban, of course, he's done everything, and Christina Aguilera and uh, a great version by John Legend. The highest place the song ever reached in the British pop charts is number 51 in 2012. And the singer of that minor hit was Tom Jones. Time and copyright restrictions don't allow me to play many of those to you, but do seek them out. So, H is for one of the greatest songs that Sinatra ever murdered. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. This is the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. And talking of murder, um, keeping it light, H is for King Herod. King Herod the Great, as history remembers him, is the baddie of the Christmas story. Herod was king of the Jews 
And by the time Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Herod had been king over what we would now call Israel and Palestine for 30 years. He wasn't Jewish by birth, but he'd been given his title and his power by the Roman emperor. Herod was one of the worst tyrannical rulers that anyone has seen. He would do anything to defend his title and his power base. Earlier in life, he mixed with powerful people. He was a friend of Antony and Cleopatra. And then he changed his allegiances to the new Emperor Augustus. One of my favourite Christmas facts is that the name of Herod's first wife was Doris. I don't know why I find that funny, but I just do. You don't think of Doris as being the name of a first century queen, but there you go. Uh, There was nothing else much funny about Herod, though. He would just get rid of anyone who challenged him. And when the wise men turned up, all innocently, saying they were looking for the new king of the Jews, well, it's not surprising that Herod was a bit annoyed and wanted to do all he could to kill this new claimant to the throne. And his anger took him to getting rid of all the baby boys in that region. We remember that on H for Holy Innocence Day. The way Jesus is spared from Herod's anger is in the context of a terrible slaughter. But it points to God's protection of his son as Mary and Joseph take him off to Egypt until Herod is no longer king. Only then is it safe for them to come back and for Jesus to go back to his mum and dad's hometown of Nazareth. H is for Herod, the villain of the piece, who tried to get rid of Jesus and failed. This is the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. Today we're on the letter H, and H is for Holly. We looked at evergreens more generally under the letter E, but H for holly deserves an entry of its own in the Christmas alphabet as a plant and as a strange little song. The holly plant looks just right for Christmas, with its bright green leaves and red berries, and is great for decorating homes and shops and churches, and looks just a picture on cards. But it also has a symbolic meaning in at least two different ways. Christians from medieval times liked to see the holly as a reminder of the crown of thorns that Jesus wore on the cross, with berries as drops of blood. The holly became the holy plant. But holly has much older associations with winter and fertility rituals. In folklore, the holly is considered male and the ivy female and when the two are put together they bring fertility to a household. Holly was also seen as warding off evil and curing illnesses. The song The Holly and the Ivy echoes those old traditions and the idea that the holly bears the crown suggests male dominance over women. The verses that follow try to connect the holly to the Christian message. So you get, The holly bears a berry as red as any blood, And Mary bore sweet Jesus Christ to do poor sinners good, 
and so on. It's all a bit of a stretch, really, because then the chorus takes us back to the rising of the sun and the running of the deer, back into the woodland, and then the playing of the merry organ and the singing of the choir, back into the church. It's a very forced combination of the pastoral associations of the holly and the way the plant was brought into church at Christmas time. There's another similar Christmas song known as the Sands Day Carol, based on a town in Cornwall in southwest England, that goes like this. Now the holly bears a berry as white as the milk. Uh, it's got the chorus, and the first tree in the green wood it was the holly, holly, holly. The first tree in the green wood it was the holly. I don't know if you know that one, but it's got a very similar background and history to the holly and the ivy. Both songs are from the English folk tradition and both go back to at least the 17th century, probably quite a bit further. That holly gets everywhere, which is a bit prickly, but it helps that it sounds like holy and also that it rhymes with jolly. So you can have a holly jolly Christmas. This is the Christmas Alphabet Podcast, and my name's Wayne. And H is for Hogmanay. Hogmanay is part of the Christmas season, though not really part of Christmas. It's the celebration of New Year's Eve in Scotland and among Scottish people everywhere that for many years was more important than Christmas, still is for some people. Christmas Day, you know, didn't become a public holiday in Scotland until 1958. And Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, didn't become a public holiday in Scotland until 1974, way after both were public holidays in England. Because Christmas, compared to Hogmanay, really wasn't that important. Many centuries ago, Scotland had shared Christmas celebrations with their English neighbours. But then in Puritan times, the Puritan thought leaders, who tried to ban Christmas in England in the 17th century and change the character of Christmas in the United States, had an even bigger impact in Scotland. Christmas Day almost disappeared in Scotland as a day for public celebration. So merrymaking moved to New Year's Eve and the feasting, drinking and jollity of Hogmanay became the focus of the 12 days of Christmas. The roots of Hogmanay and its name go back to the Norse celebrations of winter and it has all sorts of traditions of its own. One of them is first footing, where it's considered good luck if the first person to enter your house in the new year is a dark-haired man carrying a piece of coal or another symbolic gift. In the Scottish Highlands, Hogmanay is also marked with the blessing of the home and the cattle at the beginning of the year, much like the Eastern Orthodox Church tradition. One Hogmanay tradition that spread way beyond Scotland is singing the song Old Lang Syne, based on a poem in the Scots language by Robbie Burns. It was popularised in North America through the band leader Guy Lombardo, and it's now sung all over the world. 
But do remember, you don't traditionally cross your arms until you get to the final verse. You don't do it from the beginning of the song, otherwise the Scots people will be offended. H is for Hogmanay, not strictly part of Christmas, but a festive tradition that falls within the 12 days. This is the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. Today we're looking at all things Christmas, starting with the letter H. We'll finish with the song story, but first those things that nearly made it into this H episode, but didn't quite get there. H is for the film Holiday Inn, where Bing Crosby debuted the song White Christmas. The film isn't great, but the song's brilliant. There's also the song Here Comes Santa Claus, written and sung by the cowboy-turned-Christmas hitmaker Gene Autry. H is also for the word holiday, which has different meanings in American English and British English. It's one of those things that cause people to say that Britain and America are two nations divided by one language. One of the reasons that British people never say happy holidays at Christmas time is that holidays mean something different over this side of the Atlantic. We tend to think of the holidays as nothing to do with Christmas. The holidays are the time in the summer when we go away with our family. So if we have happy holidays, that's when we have them. Anyway, we're finishing this H episode of the Christmas Holiday Podcast, as we always do, with... A classic Christmas song. This is the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. H is for Harp the Herald Angels Sing. Harp the Herald is a king among Christmas carols. My favourite Christmas carol. There you go, I've pinned my colours to the mast. And yet, this is a carol that should never have happened. The writer is Charles Wesley, whose brother John was the founder of Methodism. Charles wrote over 6,000 hymns, but when he wrote this one in 1738, its first line was not how we sing it now. He wrote it as, Hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the King of Kings. The welkin means... The heavens, the skies. Hark how all the welkin rings, he wrote, glory to the king of kings. That awkward first line was later changed by Wesley's friend George Whitfield to the one we know today. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. In Whitfield's version, the carol begins with the angels who heralded the birth of Jesus and gives us the enduring Christmas image of singing angels. How many times have you seen Christmas cards, Christmas pictures, with angels singing their heads off? The problem is that the Bible doesn't say the Christmas angels sang, and it doesn't say they sang glory to the baby. In the Bible, the angels don't sing, they speak. Look it up. And what they say is... Glory to God and peace on earth. But because the words got changed from what Wesley wrote to what Whitfield wrote, 
we're left with the idea of angels singing glory to the baby. The tune for Hark the Herald was composed by Felix Mendelssohn just a hundred years later, in 1840. His tune was written for a different purpose completely. In fact, it was part of a piece that marked 400 years since the invention of the printing press. And later on, after both Wesley and Mendelssohn had died, an English musician called William Cummings put the words and music together. What he did was against the wishes of both writers. Charles Wesley had asked that his hymn be set to music that was slow and solemn. And Mendelssohn had made it clear that his music was for secular use only. But William Cummings didn't care. He matched the words and tune together, and in doing so created one of the greatest Christmas carols ever written. I just love the words of this carol, and the way the tune gives those words so much power and passion. In just a few verses we sing of why Christ came to Bethlehem that we need not face eternal death, that Christ can raise us up with him, and that we can have new birth. It's all there. It's a powerful and glorious blend of words and music. This is the Christmas Alphabet Podcast, and H is for Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Christmas Alphabet is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. Do check out the other great Christmas pods on the network. One of those podcasts I was invited to join this week. That's the Total Christmas Podcast, hosted by Jack. And as I was his guest, I asked Jack to tell us about his podcast here on Christmas Alphabet. It's the Total Christmas Podcast, and every two weeks... Uh, I talk about Christmas, much like yourself, but I'm not constrained to a letter each episode, so I can sort of do whatever I want. I've got a a massive love of A Christmas Carol, so every episode, or nearly every episode, I'll discuss a version of A Christmas Carol. I talk about Christmas songs that aren't necessarily classics, but I think possibly could be classics, and I try and get as many stories sent in from listeners as well. That sort of thing is what I have. Among other things, I pretty much just talk about everything to do with Christmas. That's the Total Christmas Podcast, yeah. Uh, One more question for you. Do you have a favourite letter of the alphabet? (sighs) Yeah, it's got to be J, because I'm a J, and one of my daughters is a J as well. So, yeah, and actually, that's the best part of my podcast, is my girls that are occasionally on it. Uh, Not often these days. They've got their own podcast now, but, yeah, I've got a daughter, Juniper, so J, yeah. I'll be looking forward to that episode, I guess... Jingle bells, what else are you going to talk about? Oh, don't want to spoil it. You'll have to wait and see. It'll be coming yeah. up very soon, though. Yeah, I, I just want to say to your listeners, you've got to listen to um, the episode that Wayne's on because he actually brings a, a bit of class to my otherwise lowly podcast. So thanks for raising the standards on my, um, yeah, otherwise low standards podcast. That's Jack from the Total Christmas Podcast, and soon you'll be able to hear me interviewed over there. This is the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. Thank you for wrapping your ears around the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne, and that's the end of our episode for the letter H. All the music on this podcast is in the public domain or used for review purposes. 
Please subscribe to the Christmas Alphabet podcast and please recommend us to your Christmas-loving friends. You can follow us on the social media. Uh, We're at Christmas Alphabet Podcast on Facebook, at Christmas Alpha on Twitter, and also on Christmas Alphabet on Instagram. Please give us a follow. Leave us a review on your podcast app, especially on Apple Podcasts. A lot of people look on that one. Or just give us a review on Facebook. I'd love that. You can find our website with all our episodes at christmasalphabet.com and also email me through that site. I am wayne at christmasalphabet.com I'll be back in two weeks with the letter I, which could be for some people, like Washington Irving, or the innkeeper, the what? And it could be for songs like In the Bleak Midwinter, and I wish it could be Christmas every day or other things, starting with the letter I. Please subscribe, please spread the word, and may the joy of Christmas be with you all year round.